a loud crash from one of the other rooms made them jump. Penelope's first thought was that one of the pieces of installation art had fallen and shattered on the stone floor. Shouts quickly followed, and a couple of screams. She and Claudine joined the general rush to the door to see what had happened. In the Doncaster room, all was confusion. A tall man in a black suit rushed past them, parting the crowd and demanding that everyone back away. Give him some air, he shouted. A hush descended with the appearance of this man's commanding presence. As the guests pulled back, the cause of the commotion was clearly visible. There on the floor lay the inert figure of Don Doncaster, head cradled in the arms of an overwrought middle-aged woman attempting to give him the kiss of life with more relish than strictly necessary. She was shoved out of the way by another woman who attempted to pull him up to perform the Heimlich manoeuvre. Then she too was cast to one side as a svelte young man in a tweed suit several generations too old for him rushed in, bearing the defibrillator Penelope had seen earlier. Don's cravat was ripped off, then his shirt, at which point there were a few gasps from his female support group. The pads were applied. The whining machine charged itself up and gave a loud clap. The artist shivered under the electric shock. It looked bad. The chest remained still after three attempts. Suddenly, Don's back arched violently. The first aider put his ear to Don's chest, motioning for silence. There's a bit. Weak, but it is there. He commanded all the onlookers to clear the room. Penelope paused by the door for a last look at the scene. Don's well-polished brown brogues contrasted sickeningly with his grey, clammy complexion and dishevelled hair. At the entrance to the gallery and outside on the cobbled street, a large crowd milled around anxiously. The art critic hovered by the door, as if wondering whether he ought to be making the most of a bad news story. A few women sobbed in each other's arms. The installation artist Nina Chirubles pushed her way into the entrance. Penelope spied Claudine in one corner on the phone, whispering urgently. Nicholas stood, talking grimly with the youth in the tweed suit. Snatches of conversation flew back and forth. They're saying he started choking, then he went red and fell forwards. What a terrible thing to happen. Oh, yes, poor man. What if he dies? Someone else said. Do you think his paintings will rise in value? They usually do, don't they? A loud, heavily accented Spanish voice, speaking in English, cut in behind her. There are, of course, some artists whose death leaves a hole in the warp and the weft of our cultural tapestry. Such artists will rise in value as the time goes by. But I would not count Mr. Doncaster in that group. He fulfills a need. That is all. Penelope turned to identify the source of the voice. Standing a few paces away was Keith Richards' double, the genius behind the sequence of black works. It really did not seem right to be discussing his fellow artists like this, and Penelope shot him a black look she was sure he would have no trouble interpreting. She stepped away smartly and looked around for Laurent. Clemence materialised at her side. What's going on? I've only just arrived. Penelope started to explain. All deliberations were cut short by the wail of a siren growing louder. Seconds later, 
an ambulance pulled up. Paramedics rushed in. From where she was standing by the entrance, Penelope could see the tall man, who initially took charge, come to the doorway of the Doncaster room, where he was immediately besieged by curious onlookers. Is that Monsieur de Bourdin? Penelope whispered to Clémence. It seemed safe to assume that he was the eponymous owner of the gallery. Yes. What a shame. His wonderful party. Let's hope the medics get Don back on his feet and there's no lasting damage. Laurent was speaking to the gallery owner as a stretcher bearing the unconscious artist was rushed past into the ambulance. The siren restarted, ripping into the evening air, and Don Doncaster was borne away. Penelope saw Laurent pull out his mobile for a brief, intense conversation. When he came over to Penelope, his expression was sober. As the only holder of public office, he felt obliged to accompany the sick man to the hospital in Avignon. Of course you must, she said sensibly. Yet again, there would be no dinner à deux.